Good morning. We've been talking about faith and what it means to have faith and what faith looks like, how it impacts our life. So let's stand together today one more time. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we're going to begin reading at verse, we're going to read verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Father, again, we thank you for your word. And, and I pray that as you gave me freedom in last service, you give me freedom in this service to share what would come from your throne room to these people, your people, that you love and you care for. We've prayed for our country today. We are thankful for it. And we pray you'd move in healing power in our country. Father, we seem to be so divided today. And we need you to come and to heal us. We pray for our politicians, Father, that instead of just acting out of political expediency, they would begin to do what is good and right before you and what is good and right for our country. We pray you give them direction and you'd awaken them in the night and convict them and speak to them. Let the tone become wiser. Let the rhetoric become gentler. And let us work together to come to good solutions instead of shouting and screaming at each other. Father, we pray for our men and women that are serving in the military as we already have today, that you would protect them and keep them and bring them home uh, safely to us. Uh, we pray as a new Supreme Court justice is appointed that you would select who that would be, that your will would be done in that selection, and that this would help bring health uh, back to our country in a great and wonderful way. Father, let our minds be open. Let none of us be dug in and stubborn. Let all of us be open to the leading of your Spirit, and let your Spirit lead us into unity in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to apologize to you right off the bat here today. Uh, your notes will be of some use. <laughs> some use. I have, um, I've really struggled over the last uh, week uh, with this message for the day, probably as much as any message I've struggled with even up till this morning. Uh, I, I want to say things without, I want to challenge you towards righteousness. Uh, I've been encouraged to uh, be positive today. And, and we have a lot to be positive about in America. That we can gather here is a positive thing. Listen, people are fighting to get here. People want to be here. If you travel around the world at all, you discover very quickly that America is the greatest place in the world. With all of our faults and all of our failings, uh, we still have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, and so we should celebrate those things and thank God for them, and we should 
I just want to challenge you to think about this. When was the last time you really prayed for America? That you took time in your prayer life and prayed? When you see some of the rhetoric that goes on on TV and some of the ways we talk to each other and shout and scream at each other like a bunch of junior hires, do you stop and pray? Does it stir you? Do we realize that we need health in our country? With all the good things that are going on in our country, we are in the middle of some of the biggest division I've seen. And listen, I, I was around and, and remember the Civil Rights Movement. I remember Vietnam. I remember uh, Richard Nixon and how divided we were over all of those things. And today we're as divided as I've ever seen us be that I can remember. And we need, I mean, the ideas and what seems right and wrong seems to be so polarized today. Let me tell you, the mind of God is not polarized. The mind of God is righteous and true. And what we need in America today is we need the mind of God. We need to hear God, know God, obey God, trust God, follow God. And I want to fundamentally say this to you because I believe this all in my heart. I believe that the most powerful gathering of people in any setting... It's Pentecostal people that get together to pray. I believe it's more powerful than any national leadership, any state house, any courthouse, uh, any, any electoral body. I believe that when God's people by faith pray, things change. I believe minds can be awakened, eyes can be opened, hearts can be changed by, by the by, by God-fearing, God-seeking people, seeking God and asking God to bring health. But we, we, we've got to be serious about that. We've got to be serious about it. We, we can't drift. We, we can't be unaware of what's going on in our country. We can't be unaware of what God's will is. We've got to, be, we've got to think through these things. We've got to ask God to give us revelation into these things. And we've got to be willing to pray and to seek God. We've got to be willing to do the right things or, or we miss the power of, of who he is uh, to move amongst us. Listen, I, I want to tell you, I'm praying that God puts the right Supreme Court justice on the, on the court. But the Supreme Court's not going to change America. I, I pray that the right people get elected to Congress this fall. But whoever it is, they're not going to change America. They're going to have some impact But you know what's going to change America? What's really going to change America for the good, I should say, I should add that, for the good, is when people's hearts get touched by the Spirit and the power of God. That's the answer for America, friend. The answer for America is God moving on our country. It's not a new Congress. It's not a new Senate. It's not a new president. It's not, an, it's not a new justice system. All those things can come and go, and we'll still be a mess. Good, well-meaning people can be in there, and it can still be a mess. If our hearts are a mess, it's going to be a mess. What we need is we need a movement of the power of the Spirit of God. And I want to tell you, that always begins with the people of God. With the people of God realizing that there's a need and realizing that only God can change it and realizing that if they pray, God will answer our prayers. 
And so we've got to ask her. I, I just want to challenge you. I want to ask you, uh, how often have you prayed for our country this year? If you watch the news at all, it should drive you to your knees. It should make us cry out to God. We just ask God, God, help me understand, help them understand, help us all know the right way to go. Give us your wisdom. Opposing ideas can come face to face with peace if both those opposing ideas come together saying, we're going to pray and seek God for an answer. We've got to be willing to pray and seek God for an answer. We've got to be willing to listen to God for an answer. We've got to be willing to seek God for an answer. So I'm telling you, inside of our churches today is the hope of America. That's where the hope is. The hope is that we pray, but we can't drift. We can't just be comfortable. We've got to get uncomfortable a little bit and realize that we have some responsibilities. We have some things that we're supposed to do. So I want you to leave here feeling hopeful. I want you to leave here feeling, boy, this, this thing isn't lost. It's not lost. God can do anything. But I also, I also don't want you to leave here drifting. It's all, it's all okay, you know. Let's just celebrate. Because it's not all okay. God needs to move. God needs to touch us. Our world is going to be a dramatically, listen moms and dads, dramatically different world for our children and grandchildren if there's not a move of God in our country. And it's not going to be for the better. It's not going to be for the better. The values about what's right and wrong are dramatically different than what the Bible says. Can you see that? Then we need to, we need to awaken it and do our part. Now, we've been talking about faith and this idea that it's impossible to please God without faith, which, hear me, is true for a nation as well as it is for a people. We've got to put our faith and our belief in His Word over everything else, over all of our feelings, over all of the pressures of the day. His Word is our standard for faith and conduct. I've got to believe His Word. I want to embed his word in my children and my grandchildren. I, I want to embed his word in you. That you stand on his word. That we look to his word for the truth. It's the only thing that will last. And it's impossible for us to please God without putting our faith, our trust in his word. Uh, two, you've got to believe that he exists. That, that's a discussion for another day, but the world cries out about the existence of God. And here's the real kicker here, that he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. Not those who drift, not those who are unaware, but those who know he exists and seek him. I think there are a lot of people today who claim to be people of faith, claim to be to believe in God in some form that he exists, but that's where it stops. They just kind of drift their way through the rest of life. Just kind of ride life. And they don't think a lot about who God is. Listen, this word seek is an active word. It's an active word. We don't seek from a passive position. If you come into my house and 
I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm watching TV, and you go, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm looking for my keys. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, I lost them a couple days ago. I haven't been able to go anyplace for a couple days. I, don't have, I can't find my car keys. Turn back to the TV. You said, well, how, how are you looking for them? Oh, I'm watching TV. They'll turn up sometime. I'm going to sit there for a long time. Because you don't seek by just sitting someplace. No, you get up and you start looking, don't you? You start seeking after something. You turn the, 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 the cushions of the couch upside down and you look under the couch and you turn papers over and you walk through the house and you think about where have I been? Where all did I go? When was the last time I had them? What was I carrying in when I came in the house? Could they be out in the car? Could I have dropped them? Could one of my kids gotten them and moved them? Could my wife have put them in a purse and carried them to work with her? What could have happened to my keys? Could my grandkids have gotten them and thrown them in the trash can? Where could they be? And you look for them actively because you want them and you want to be able to go someplace. You don't just sit there. You actively do something. You're seeking. You're looking. You don't just wait for them to walk in the room. They're not going to walk in the room. You've got to go look for them. Even if you sit and say, I want information, you go to your computer and you sit down at a place in front of your computer and you begin to, uh, uh, you, you want to find some information. You don't just sit there and look at the screen. No, you begin to type stuff in. You begin to, to do searches. You begin to look for stuff. You begin, oh, that's not it. That's not what I want. Let me look someplace else. And you start turning up different pages trying to get the information because seeking requires action. He rewards those who seek Him, who are looking for Him. And, and let me just really get down and settle one thing. You'll never discover everything about Him that, that, on this earth that's, that there is to be discovered. There's always more. Faith believes that it is, it is good and worthwhile, worth my while, to know God and to draw near to Him, to seek Him, to get to know Him, to know His will, to be transformed by His will, to understand how, what, what He's telling me to do and how He's telling me to live, and to be changed by it, be formed in His will. I, I just want to tell you, some of you, God love you, I love, I love you. You've been making the same mistakes for 20 years. Same things. Repeating the same cycles. Pain and suffering and hurt. Confusion and loss. And you're sitting there going, oh, I wish God would get me out of this. He will if you seek Him. If you look for Him. If you ask Him what you should do and you start changing, you start letting Him transform your heart and transform your life, you're going to find yourself breaking out of the traps of the enemy and walking in the fullness of the life of God. God has something for you. But you've got to seek Him. You've got to look for it. Can I tell you, I, 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 it's going to meddle here a little bit, you know. I want to say this right. Adults, we need to be growing. 
I think one of the most troubling things I've ever heard anybody say to me, is I've, and I've had several people say this to me, you know, I, I, Pastor, I grew up in the church, I know all this stuff. Well, first of all, no, you don't. None of us know all this stuff. I've been preaching this word for 40 years. I don't know all this stuff. I'm still learning stuff. His stuff is still coming alive. The living word of God is still applying itself to my life daily. Revealing new stuff to me for where I'm at right now, today, in my life. And he will for you too if you seek him. He'll give you wisdom that you don't have today. He'll, he'll apply himself to your life right where you're at today. He'll give you wisdom for raising your kids, wisdom when they go out the door for the last time. He'll, he'll give you all this stuff will happen at all the different stages of your life because his word is living and active. But you've got to be seeking him. You've got to be attentive to this. You've got to be listening and saying, okay, God, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm growing in you. Show me your will. Now let me be your pastor a little bit today. Mom and dad, look, I, I, get, I get tired too. I'm, I'm, I'm tired right now. But some things are more important than me being tired. When, when we sit and we make up our mind, oh, I'm not going to get my teenager to the oasis. I don't care whether they go to Rev or not because I'm tired. I'm going to have to drive them over there then go pick them up and bring them back. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. What you're telling your kids is it's not that important. This is not that big a deal. You may get up on, on, on when school starts and say, I'm tired, but you take them to school. It's amazing. We can have them on a athletic team of some sort and be tired and we drag them off there even though we're tired. Then Oasis comes, a Rev comes, youth service comes, and we're too tired to get them there. Somebody's got to explain that to me. Because what it sounds like to me is it's just not that important. It's just not that big a deal. Let me tell you, there are good things going on in Revolution right now. There's good things going on in Oasis right now. You want your kids to be there. God's moving in good ways in those places. There's good worship going on. The Word's being taught. Things are being applied to their life. It's a good place for them to be. Good relationships are being built. I, I want to encourage you to, 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 to get up and get them there and say, listen, this is going to be part of our active deal. Now, I, I'm going to tell you the rules of my house when I grew up and I'm not trying to impose these rules on you because these aren't biblical rules. These were our house rules. So your rules can freely be different than ours, ours were. But I'll, I'll tell you what ours were. My dad looked at me when I, was a, when, I, when I got in junior high and high school. He said, you can be in anything you want to be. On Thursday night you're at church. On Sunday you're at church. You can be involved in whatever else you want to be. Thursday night you're at church because that's when we had church back then. It's Wednesday now. Sunday, you're at church. And I'm telling you, that did not alter. That was the fact of life. I liked it sometimes. I didn't like it sometimes. I thought it was too demanding sometimes. I thought it was too restrictive sometimes. I, I thought it wasn't worthwhile sometimes. But on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, I was going to be at church. That's just the way it was. That wasn't going to change. Now, let me tell you what that taught me. 
it taught me God, God's role in my life, that I need to be active about seeking him. It, ta- it put me in places where the Spirit of God was moving and could move on my life where God could convict me and God could speak to me. It gave me a weekly dose of hearing the preaching of the Word where I could, be, where I could learn and where I could grow. It gave me Christian relationships with, with other young men and young women who were growing up in Christ who became a strength to me wherever I went throughout my life that became, have become, many of them, my friends for life. It was important to us. Now, I say that to you to say this. You need to have some standard. You don't, don't just drift. Don't drift. Make up your mind. Sit down with your, your, your husband, your wife. Sit down and say, okay, what are we going to do? We've got these kids to raise. We've got this family to raise. What are we going to do? What's important to us? Let's show them how we're going to teach them that they need to be God seekers. And how are we going to be God seekers? See, there's some decisions that need to be made, and once they're made, they're made. You, you don't, you, know, you get married, you're married. I, I guarantee you, two weeks after you're married, you go, I'm kind of tired of this. I don't know if I should be in this or not. You're in big trouble. You just got to make up your mind. Good, bad, better or worse, sick or poor, I'm in this thing. We're going to make the best of it together. We're going to work at this. Some decisions need to be made. You know, you want your kids to be in school? Get them to school. Want to be at church? Get them to church. But we've got to be, and this, all this comes back to me, to this, this one simple call. We've got to be God seekers. You should expect us to offer great classes for you and your kids. You should look at us as pastors and, and, and demand us to offer different things and unique things that will help them learn and help them grow and that will help you learn and, and, and help you grow. And if the classes are dull or boring, you should come to us and say, hey, that class, is, I, just, I just fell asleep in there. Then we should go to work on it because this is important that we do this right, that together we get formed in the image of Christ that we're not some mixture of this world, some Americanized Christianity, but we are biblically Christian. Amen? Now, when we dismiss the seeking of God, what it says is that we don't see the importance of being near to God. Let me say that again. When we dismiss, when we treat lightly the seeking of God, it says we don't see the importance of being near to God. He's just a minor player in our life. Now, I'm going to quickly go through this. Ways to seek God, and I would, I would bet 99% of you know these ways. One, be faithful to the house of God. Come and worship Him. Come to learn and to grow. Come to grow in community with other people. Start relationships. Make the house of God an important place in your life. Make it an important thing to do. Look at your attendance and ask yourself, what's getting in the way of me being faithful to the house of God? Be faithful to the house of God. Come with a hunger for God, a desire. You come in the door. You're not, I hope pastor's got a good, no, you're coming in the door going, God, I know I'm going to meet with you today. 
I'm going to worship you. I'm going to listen for you. I'm going to seek you today. And I'm going to teach my kids to do the same thing. Number two, be faithful to read the Bible. If you don't know how to do that, we'll help. Now listen, if you're brand new in this thing and you don't know how to read the Bible, you've never read the Bible, uh, please, please, don't, don't pick it up and, and open to the first page and start reading. You'll do good for about a week or two and then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have some issues. That w- come to somebody and let us help you learn how to read the Bible. You want to get a knowledge of the Bible. You want to understand all 66 of these books and, 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 and what they have to say to us and what they're saying to us. And you just need to begin to just read them and let them come alive in your life from day to day and let them speak into your life because the Bible is the living Word of God. I, I'm talking about gaining the knowledge, not just about gaining knowledge of the Word, but growing in an experience with the Word of God. And, and so I encourage you to begin to do it. Number three, be faithful to prayer. Set time aside to talk to God and to listen to God. Now, again, if this is new to you, this is new to you, uh, don't, don't, I'm not saying go spend an hour every day praying. You're not going to make it. This would be like getting up and saying, uh, I'm going to go run a marathon this afternoon. I'm not, I don't know about you, maybe there's a few runners in here that you can do that. I'm not going to get very far because I haven't trained, I haven't prepared, I haven't gotten ready, I don't have the right equipment, nothing's there for me to get there. But I could get up and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to run around the block today and maybe I might be able to do that. Are you hearing me? Prayer's a lot the same way. What I would tell you, if you, if you haven't been a person of prayer, just do this. If you're, if you're not actively praying, do this. Set a time aside every day. Get up early before you go to bed at night. Set 10 minutes aside. Go into a room, shut the door, and say, I'm not leaving here for 10 minutes. I'm not listening to anything else. God, I am here to thank you for my life. I'm here to thank you for my salvation. Oh, thank you for food. Thank you for a job. Thank you for your spirit. Just spend a few minutes thanking him. Oh, and God, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better dad. Guide me in a, Just begin to talk to God. It won't be long until you'll find your prayer life growing. It won't be long until you'll begin to hear him talk back to you. He'll begin to move in your life. But you've got to start someplace. You've got to determine, I'm going to seek him. Tell him, God, I I want to get to know you better. I want you to be able to speak to me. I want to be able to hear your voice. God, I want you to to change me into the image that you'd have me to be. Just begin to tell him the simple things. It won't be long. When your 10 minutes is up, say, okay, God, thank you for hearing me. And then go back the next night, and go back the next night, and go back the next night, and go back the next night. And it won't be long that you'll find your prayer. Sometimes at the end of that 10 minutes, you'll be saying, I think I'll stay five more. It won't be long. But you've got to be seeking Him. 
See, because this isn't a one-way relationship. This is a two-way relationship. And when you begin to talk to him, he's going to begin to talk back. He's going to begin to move in your life. He's going to begin to reveal his presence to you. He's going to begin to move in your life in special ways. He's going to begin to do stuff in you if you'll pray. Now, now these are, these are the, the you know, simple ones, but here's one that most people don't know, but, you know, we get it some other ways. Be faithful to serve others. You want to seek God, be faithful to serve others. In John chapter 13, we're told the story of, uh, of the Last Supper and of the gathering of the Last Supper. And it, I love to tell this, talk about this story because it, it, we, we kind of see it uh, through the prism of uh, maybe Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper or some of these things and some of our, our pre and we don't get the whole picture. Here, here's the real picture of what was going on there. Uh, they, they gathered there. They gathered there. Peter and John had gotten everything ready, had done a lot of work, had gotten the room and had gotten everything prepared and gotten all sorts of stuff ready, and it was all laid out. And as they came into the room, Jesus strategically put people at places. John was right next to Jesus. And Judas was real close to Jesus. Jesus knew what Judas was about to do. But even when we're about to betray him, Jesus will keep drawing us nearer to him. He'll keep trying. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's a, there was a cultural hierarchy of how they were set around the table. This hierarchy was about who, you know, who was the most important or the least important. <laughs> and guess who got the least important position? Guess who got put at the place at the, at, at, around the, as they were all kind of sitting on the floor around a really low table? Guess, guess who got the lowest place at the table? It was Peter. So Peter comes in. He's done all this work. He's done all this stuff to get ready. And when they get there, he's assigned a place. His name tag is down at the lowest place at the table. That's where his place setting's at. Now, in those days, of course, as you all know, uh, the roads weren't paved. They were dusty and dirty and muddy and a mess and all kinds of stuff in, in them. And so you would come to a place like that and get to go, go in the house, and your feet would just be a disaster. And so usually they would have a servant or someone there to wash everybody's feet. But there was no servant there. There was nobody to wash everybody's feet. So protocol would say that it fell to the lowest person on, on the totem pole. Well, guess who was assigned that position that night? Peter's assigned that position. He sat down at the lowest part of the table. He should have been washing everybody's feet. But guess what Peter didn't do? See, this was a humble. I mean, we, we come, you know, if we're going to, you know, churches, they do foot washing services, which is all great. I don't have any problem with it. But when, you know, you kind of announce those, everybody trims their toenails, and, and they come with, you know, they got, you know, they put perfume on their feet, and, you know, they've got their clean socks on, their clean shoes on. They come all ready for it. Not in that day. Not then. 
This was a humbling, messy position where you're down. I mean, even today it's a little bit humbling. Then it's really humbling. It's really humbling. And Jesus is waiting for Peter to act, and Peter's not acting. Now, it's okay. I want you to catch this because nobody else jumped up and did anything either. None of the other guys said, oh, Peter's not doing what he's supposed to. I'll, ta- I'll take care of it. Jesus, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. I'll do it. None of them volunteered. They all just sat there with dirty feet. And it's not long until Jesus gets up. Now listen, if there's anybody in the room that shouldn't be washing anybody's feet, it's Jesus. Just a few days, but just a little while before, Peter has said he's the Messiah. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now he's sitting down at the end of the table. Maybe he's sitting there thinking, I worked all day. I got this place ready. I've got the food ready. I've got everything in place. And I get here and somebody's moved my name tag down to the end of the table. I wonder who I am so... <sighs> I'm not doing anything else for this group. They should have all been grateful for what I've done already. I don't know what he was thinking, but he sure wasn't acting. Finally, Jesus gets up. And Jesus begins to wash everybody's feet. John. Judas, who's about to betray him. One by one. And Peter's just watching him. Just watching him. Finally, he gets down to Peter. And Peter goes, "Mm, no way, not going to happen. You're not washing my feet. And a very spiritually significant thing happens in these moments. Some very spiritually significant uh, words take place. Jesus says to him, "Um, yeah, I've got to wash your feet because if I don't wash your feet, then you have nothing to do with me. And Peter goes, well, then if that's the case, uh, I want you to wash my hands and I want you to wash my head also. Give me all of it. I Just clean me up, Jesus. Take me, through the, take me through it. Clean me up. And Jesus says something really important to him. He says, you're already clean. You're already clean. Your feet just need washed. What's he saying to him? What's, he ta- what's it saying to us? We get cleansed by the power of the blood of Christ. We are cleansed by his power and by his blood. But we go out into this world and our feet get dirty. The culture of the day, the world of the day attaches itself to us and we need to get our feet washed every now and then. And the Spirit of God is here, the Word of God is here to wash our feet and to cleanse us so that our feet aren't stinky and a mess. We've already been cleansed by the power of the blood of the Lamb. We don't need to get saved again. We just need to get the dirt of the day washed off of our feet, and we need to get cleaned back up again so we can be ready to serve God the way we're supposed to. Now, another really significant things, thing happens in this as he, as he washes. He, Jesus says to him at the end of all this, 
For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them. What does this mean? Does this mean that we should, like, you know, set up some water basins every Sunday at church and we should all take turns water? I mean, washing each other's feet? Was he setting up another ritual for us to go through like he would with communion? No, he didn't say, do this often in in remembrance of me. He didn't tell us to do this. He says, follow my example. What's his example? His example was he took on the spirit of a servant. That's what he was doing the whole time he was here. He came to serve our need. He came to take care of us. And one more time, He's taking care of them, and he's saying, he's looking at these guys who are going to be the guys used to promote and birth the church, and he's saying to them, serve one another. Serve as I have served you. Don't take the position that you're the Lord. Take the position that you're the servant. Be one to serve. And he says to them in the middle of this, for, listen to his words, Blessed are you if you do them. What does that mean? It means his empowerment comes upon us. His presence comes upon us. We experience him. He moves upon us when we take on this attitude of a servant and we serve others in his name, even the dirty jobs. This is the person who says, I'll wipe the tables off. I'll, I'll pick up the chairs and carry them. This is a person who says, hey, I'll, I'll serve in the nursery and I'll, I'll wipe the noses and I'll change the diapers and I'll, I'll serve back here with the kids and I'll, let them, I'll, I'll, I'll be patient with them when they're noisy and they're uh, kind of out of control. I'll, I'll find a place to serve. I, I want you to think about this. Think about a church. Think about a group of people where everybody gets this value where there's a growing core of people who get this value. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help others. I'm here to clean up messes. I'm here to make things clean. I'm here to make things healthy. And they come into the church week after week after week, and they're looking around, they're going, who can I help today? Hey, I can help that person carry their stuff in. Hey, I can go and say an encouraging word to that person over there. Hey, I heard, I heard today at church that somebody's sick. I'm going to take some food over to their house for them. I heard that somebody just had surgery. I'm going to go see if they need somebody to mow their yard for them. I'm going to, I'm going to be active and serving. It's not the person who says, well, I'm an elder. I don't mow yards. No, it's the person who says, what needs to be done now? Jesus was looking and saying, listen, the feet need to be washed now. Peter's not doing it. Nobody else volunteered to do it. Here's the example, fellas. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wash everybody's feet. I'm going to take care of this. And then he says to him, blessed are you if you do the same thing. Blessed are you, empowered of you. You know, we should serve one another and we should serve the world we live in. 
We should serve the world we live in. We should do this through formal ministry and through day-to-day interaction. We should serve the world we're in. I'm I'm just going to tell you, you've heard me say it already today. We're going to see the world change when we bring the Spirit of Christ into the world. And here's the Spirit of Christ. When we begin to love people and serve them, when we speak the truth in love, and we serve people, we see the opportunity to advance the kingdom by serving people, by caring for people, by doing it in the name of Jesus, by having the Spirit of Christ about us so that we have the right to speak the words of Christ. And so we go out into this world as people not drifting, but people who've been in his house, people who've been in his presence, people who've read his word, and people who are trying to be like him, and we're serving other people. Jesus' chief example is this, is he died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. He died for us while we were still in need. And this is the call. So uh, today, today, I, I just want to challenge you to not drift. Make up your mind. Make up your spirit. Defend it by the word of what, what, how you should treat the house of God. Why do you miss when you miss? Why do you treat it lightly when you treat it lightly? Make up your mind about reading the Bible and begin. If you've never done it, get somebody to help you. Make up your mind about a prayer time and say, you know what, I need to pray every day. And, make, and, and begin to pray. And make up your mind to look for opportunities to serve. Now, I'm going to give you some. Maybe you're really, really involved. You're doing all sorts of stuff. Maybe you're not involved at all. But out at the information booth today, there's going to be some, some sign-up things set around there uh, about different ministries. Saturday, you know, Saturday Moms Day Out for Single Moms. Uh, Kumler Outreach where we go and feed people uh, that are homeless. Uh, there's, there's different things. Some of them are, are things, you know, going out to Hope Thrift Center. Some of them are, are things, you, you know, Saturday mom, Mom's Morning Out. That's a one-day deal once a year. You sign up for that, you sign up one day a year. So maybe you're in a lot of ministries already, and, and you think, you know what, I can go above and beyond this year. I'll get involved there. Or I can go above and beyond this year and get my small group involved. We'll go out to Kumla or we'll go out to Hope and we'll spend an evening doing two or three hours of work out at one of those places and, and we'll help out. I'm going to go above and beyond in serving this year. I'm going to do something. Go by and take a look at those and, and, and sign up and say, I'd like to have more information about this and, and get involved and serve someplace. Now you can do that if you're involved in a lot of things. You can definitely do that if you're not involved in anything. You can go by and say, hey, let me take another step to go a little bit above and beyond. And then as you go through your day, just look, just be on the lookout for how, God, whose feet would you have me wash today? Who would you have me help today? And take on this spirit of how can we help others in the name of Christ?
You're going to be blessed if you do. The Spirit of God's going to move on your life when you serve people in His name. I want to encourage you to do that. The other thing you can do is, is this. Pray through this. Pray through this pledge card. God, would you have me, you know, maybe I'm, I've never given anything. Lord, this is a brand new thing to me. They actually, church that wants me to give money. I just thought God miraculously did all this stuff. Okay, God, what can I do to help? Maybe you've given, maybe you're tithing. You know, God, would you have me do a little bit more? Would you have me help more people this year? Just pray your way through it. Pray your way through it and ask, God, how would you have me to serve this year? This is a call to respond. Now, in our world today, we need to be praying for God to heal our land. And I want to challenge you. As we walk out this door today, don't walk out feeling overwhelmed. Don't walk out feeling like it's hopeless. It's not. Let's walk out realizing, God, I don't want to be a drifter. I want to be a person living with intention and purpose, walking in your will, doing your work, making a difference in your world. And I know that starts in me. Amen? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Prayer teams, would you come on down to the front, please? While they're coming. Listen, you're not going go to tr- go to heaven because you get involved in working one of these ministries. You're not going to go to heaven because you give in our offerings. You're not going to go to heaven because you're a member of Calvary Church or any other church. You're not going to go to heaven because you show up every week. You can show up here every Sunday and spend eternity separated from God. That's the truth. You can completely miss it. All of the stuff that we do, no, that's not about making it to heaven. There's only one way to make it to heaven. And that's by putting your faith in the work Jesus did for you on the cross for the salvation of your soul. That he paid the price that you owed, that I owed. He paid it on Calvary so that you and I can go to heaven. And we get to go to heaven because we put our faith in him and God applies his grace to us. Now, if you've done that, You've been washed. That's what we talked about earlier. You've been washed. If you've done that, if you haven't done that, you need to get washed. And that happens by putting our faith in Jesus. If you haven't done that, you can do it today, in an instant, in a moment, by simply asking Christ into your life. Most important thing you'll ever do. Let's pray together today. Father, you see the condition of every life and every heart here. And today in this moment, Father, if there's anyone in this room who needs to be washed and cleansed by the power of the blood of the Lamb, Father, I pray that in this next moment they would open their heart to you and ask your Son into their life. And your Spirit would do a work in them. In Jesus' name. Just say, Pastor, today, 
I want to, I want to, I want to put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. We just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm looking across this room to see if anybody wants to join us today. Anyone here, you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray. God bless you. I see that hand. The Lord sees it. Anyone else today? Amen. Amen. Let's all pray this prayer together today. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my trust in him to be my Lord. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be seekers of God. Amen. Let's look to his house. Let's look to his word. Let's be a people of prayer. And let's serve others. And then let's let God bring his reward. Because we're actively doing what he would tell us to do. Amen. If you have a need in your life of any sort, any kind of need, you come down and have somebody pray with you before you leave. We believe prayer changes things. If you have a need, you step out and come. God bless you. We love you. God loves you. And uh, thank you for being here today. We're going to have a great week next week. Look forward to seeing you.